0: Wall Street. I went to Wall Street to get seriously rich, but I didn't get rich. Hollywood Boulevard. I went to Hollywood to be a movie mogul. I didn't become a movie mogul. Washington D.C. The president and Mrs. Ford have invited us down to Palm Springs. He's been there. I the entertainment business. Done and that. Being hired by a company called Carolco Pictures. And that. Was the night before Ronald Reagan was inaugurated. And just about everything else you can imagine. I thought of myself as somebody who was a double agent. He knew a lot of famous My people. experience with Orson Welles. How can you possibly hang out with that lowlife Frank Sinatra? And now he's talking. Of that, I was invited to some fancy dinner. This is the podcast. Who the is Roger Smith? But my real goal was to have an interesting life surrounded by interesting people, and at that, I succeeded beyond my expectations. In this edition, Roger goes to Monaco for Yes, a date with a princess and the film that might have been. Let me set the scene, and it's 1982. It's the spring of 1982, and I am at what I didn't realize then was the peak of my career at Warner. You never know with careers when the peak is. You always think there's more coming, and then you find out later, nope, that was it. I was Steve Ross's right hand. I traveled with him, and this meant private planes and and glamorous hotel suites and so forth, none of which I minded in the least. And anyway, we are in Paris... And we are going to be going down to Monte Carlo for three, four days for the Atari sales convention. Atari was making so much money that they decided to have their sales convention in Monte Carlo. And at the same time, we were showing what would be the world premiere of The World According to Garp, a Warner film directed by a lovely man, George Roy Hill. So there was a screening set up. but. Before we left for Monte Carlo, the day before, I got a call from a good friend of mine, French, well, he's a German actor with a French name, Mathieu Carrière, and I had introduced him to his wife in New York, and they were very happily married at that time, no longer, and he said, Roger, I hear you're going down to Monte Carlo. I said, yeah. He said, well, you're alone, right? I said, well, I'm with the Warner Group, but I don't, if you mean, do I have a girl with me? No. He said, well, I took the liberty of calling my friend Caroline and telling her that you were coming there and, and you two can meet. I say, Caroline, who? He said, Roger. Caroline, Caroline. I said, you mean Princess Caroline? He said, yes. I'm supposed to call up Princess Caroline and say, hello, you don't know me, but my friend Mathieu Carrier said I should give you a call. He said, well, I wouldn't use that goofy voice, but that's basically the idea. So I do it. I don't get Princess Caroline. I get the very nice English secretary. And she said, oh, I hear that there's a group that the, the prince and princess are meeting for tea tomorrow at the palace at around 4 o'clock. Would you be in that group? And I said, well, I don't know for sure, but I suspect I am I'm part of that group. And I said, well, uh, Princess Caroline said that she would. she will be coming there Her mother's asked her to be there, and she will have a chance to meet you then. And I realized, you know, she's not committing herself before she looks me over, right? And I now walk down the hall to Apartment A, the grandest suite in the Ritz Hotel, overlooking the Place Vendôme. It's where Billy Wilder filmed Love in the Afternoon, if that's helped anybody, and beyond, beyond. And Steve was then with his girlfriend, later his wife, later his widow, Courtney Sale. And Courtney and I had a somewhat uh, fractious relationship. Uh, I knew her to be shrewd gold digger that she was, and she knew I was on to her, so we were not best of buddies. Any case, but my boss was a wonderful, wonderful man who I really cared for deeply. And I walk in. And Courtney, who loved the big, bright life, said, guess where we're going tomorrow, the palace in Monaco with Prince and Manier. She said, how did you know? I said, well, I was on the phone with Princess Caroline. I didn't say her secretary. I made a better story. I said, and so this deflated Courtney very badly. It wasn't smart of me to do it. But <laughs> so she said, yes, that's it. We're going there. And we go. The next day, we get there. Maybe it was the two days later. And we are ushered into the biggest reception room I've ever seen. It was like 40 by 60. And there were clumps of people in different conversations. And the prince grabs Steve Ross and takes him off to show him whatever or something. And I find myself seated in another corner with Princess Grace, a lovely woman who I learned was the recently discarded wife of the pianist Arta Rubinstein and not a happy camper, and a man named John Lehman, who's not one of the New York banking Lehman's, but the Philadelphia Lehman's. He was then secretary of the Navy that he had pulled in in a battleship or something into Villefranche. And he was also Grace Kelly's first cousin. And my instant reaction to him was He's part of the Reagan administration. I know I'm not going to like him, and I, and I didn't. But we talked a bit about this and that, and at one point, the other two drift away, and I'm now alone with the princess, who is looking pretty gorgeous. She's a little, a little zaftig would be the word, but, uh, but still great. And I asked her, are you familiar with what I think is one of the greatest American films ever made called Dodsworth? William Wyler, 1936. It starred Walter Houston as a very successful rich American businessman who goes to Europe to discover how to live life. It has Mary Astor in this part of this sophisticated American expatriate living in in Europe. And Ruth Chatterton, a somewhat forgotten actress now who played his sort of vain, social-climbing, unpleasant wife. I said, look, Warner has attained the rights to do a remake, and we also have Gregory Peck for the Walter Houston role. We have Faye Dunaway for the Ruth Chatterton role. And forgive me for being so bold, I promise you I'm on the business side. I'm not on the movie-making side, but this is a pet project of mine. I said, if you were ever to consider making another movie, this would be the movie to make. The part is dignified. It's a worldly wise woman. It's romantic without anything remotely sexual. Uh, they, go, they sail off in a sailboat at the end. That's as close as we get. And she then said, oh, well, that sounds very interesting. I, and she said, have you set a director yet? I said, I'm told not, and I don't know who. But she said, well, what about George Roy Hill, who was, who was there with us? He was in the room. And it turns out she had done television with him in the 1950s. And I said, look, based on the films of his that I know, he he might be perfect. That's not my call to make, but certainly an idea to consider. She said, well, that would certainly make me more inclined to do it. I didn't say to her, if that makes you more inclined, that makes us more inclined to have him. Don't worry. (laughs) And we shipped a print over there. She looked at it. She loved it. Now, I have been told... As I tell this story to Hollywood people, they said, Roger, she was leading everybody down the garden path, thinking that she would make a movie, and every time she wanted to do it, the prince said no, and it never happened. I said, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Let's live it a try. I think this one could work. She saw the movie. She loved it. We then sent the would-be producer who was assigned to it, a guy named Marty Richards, over to meet with her. And she'd gotten so into it that she said at one point, well, tell me, the Ruth Chatterton part, doesn't she have more costume changes than the Mary Astor part? You know, Once an actress, always an actress. That's what she was concerned about. And uh, we said, no, 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 that's not a dignified part. That was That's not something that would be appropriate for you, your highness, I don't know what I called her. Uh, anyway, she was deciding whether to do it when... She went out with her younger daughter, Stephanie, for a drive while she was teaching Stephanie how to drive. And on the Moyen Corniche overlooking the Riviera, they crashed and Stephanie survived and Princess Grace was killed. They've told people that Princess Grace was driving, but I'm told that's not the case, that she was being taught how to drive, she didn't have her license yet. And so it was obviously a very tragic story. It was also the end of, of the idea of Doddsworth being remade, though I've tried to keep the idea. His daughter, Catherine Weiler, who lives in Washington, D.C., is someone I'm in touch with, knows that there's still interest in getting it done someday, maybe. It's just, if you haven't seen this particular movie, get a hold of a DVD and see it. It's American 30s filmmaking at its absolute best. Now at the same time, while I'm having this lengthy conversation with Princess Grace back at the palace, I look over and see my boss, Steve, getting more and more nervous, thinking, what is Loudmouth doing? What is he saying to her? Why are they talking so long together? And I finally he comes over and I said, Look, don't worry. It's all set. She's gonna make her come back in a Warner movie. And I got a restaurant recommendation for there's six of us. We didn't have a place to have dinner yet. And I figure she can't eat at the palace every night. She must know about You can imagine what a nice table we got when we arrived, the, the palace having made the arrangements. Now, when we were talking, and this is something I say both rarely and reluctantly, I did not regard myself as even though this is 40 years ago. I was, so, therefore, 40 years younger, and I was about 30 pounds lighter. I was not unattractive. I got a distinct feeling that Princess Grace would like to see me again under more intimate circumstances. She said, do you ever get to Paris? I said, yeah, I come about twice a year. She said, you know, I, I'm so restricted here in Monte Carlo, but um, if, if, if we could get together in Paris, it would be much easier for me. I mean, she even gave me her dress in Paris. <laughs> so whether I read too much into this or not, I don't know, but I certainly thought, oh boy, <laughs> this is almost, almost as good as, the, as getting her in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but that of course all, all came to an end with her sad death. If none of his stories were about you, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Who the is Roger Smith is recorded in an undisclosed bunker somewhere on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. All opinions are Mr. Smith's own, but everything he says happened because he was there. Bill Bergoli's is our producer and editor. I'm Bill McCuddy. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the want Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. We